Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing. With so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, it's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. The sound you are hearing is roughly 22,000 voices from roughly 22,000 men and women carrying 22,000 guns and chanting their violent opposition to all forms of gun control. On January 20th, 2020, I found myself in Richmond, Virginia, attending probably the largest anti-gun control protest in the history of the United States. This event started as the annual Lobby Day Rally for the Virginia Citizens Defense League, VCDL, Lobby days exist all over the country, and they're days for NGOs and the like to assemble in state capitals and plead their cases on various bills. It's pure coincidence that Richmond's Lobby Day happens to coincide with Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, although that didn't make the number of Confederate flags I saw any less awkward. Now, the head of the VCDL is a fellow named Philip Van Cleve, and he does not want you or anyone else to confuse his group for a mainstream lobbying organization. In a 2019 letter to a local newspaper, he described the VCDL as an extremist organization, writing, There's nothing wrong with being extreme in the preservation of our civil rights. VCDL is proud to be categorized as an extremist organization, and we will fully intend to continue being such. 
If you're someone outside of Virginia and you have heard of Van Cleef, it's probably because back in 2018, Sasha Baron Cohen tricked him into making a firearms training video aimed at toddlers. Yeah, they haven't quite developed uh, what we call conscious, where you, you, you feel guilty about doing something wrong. That's developing. If you're learning right and wrong, if they don't, haven't developed that yet, they could be very effective soldiers. The whole mess cost Van Cleave a great deal of mainstream respect, but now it's 2020, and one of the few reliable truths of our era is that mainstream respect is worth slightly less than soiled toilet paper. The fringe right has continued to support Van Cleave, and hundreds of armed activists show up every year for VCDL's lobby days. Before my flight to Richmond, I hopped on Skype and talked to State Senator Lee Carter, Virginia's only elected socialist legislator. He told me about the history of this gathering. It happened when the Republicans were in control. Um, it never amounted to more than about 200 people. Um, and people were there to demonstrate and to talk to legislators. Um, now, you know, there's there's a lot of symbolism uh, behind a, a bunch of armed, mostly white guys um, you know, having a demonstration in the capital of the Confederacy on Martin Luther King Day every year, but um, but it was symbolic, not violent. Um, so this year, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of outside groups that have decided to latch onto this. So I would no longer characterize this as a rally. I know VCDL is still planning on going through with their rally as normal, but. It will not be normal. It will not be normal because, last year, Virginia's Democratic Party swept the state legislature and the governorship. Once they had power, the Democrats decided to push a raft of new gun control laws. Some of what they've advocated seems reasonable even to me, a guy who owns multiple AR-15s and carries a gun on a near-daily basis. They're pushing for universal background checks, mandatory reporting for lost and stolen firearms, and safe storage requirements. Pretty sane, reasonable stuff. But other measures are much more controversial. There are some proposals that are just outright not good, uh, in my view. So uh, things like one handgun a month, um, which in my opinion won't do anything because we have ATF data uh, from before and after Virginia got rid of its one handgun a month law uh, a few years ago. What that shows was you know, that the total number of firearms confiscated by the ATF in connection with a crime didn't change. What changed was the mix. It was fewer long arms and more pistols. But the total number remained unchanged. So, you know, I I feel that one handgun a month is a a burden on, on peaceful collectors that doesn't really do anything to address public safety. If you're listening to this and you come from more of a traditional liberal background, particularly if you grew up in a place like Los Angeles or New York or Boston, you know, a city with strict firearm laws, it may seem ludicrous to you that people would protest any of this. And you need to understand that on the right wing, logic and reason have long since departed the gun control debate. There are tens of thousands of heavily armed men and women organized into cells around the nation who would rather die and kill than accept a new assault weapons ban. The reasons why are extremely complex, but the short of it is that, for decades, bad actors on the fringe right have executed an exceptionally successful campaign to convince millions that even moderate gun control laws are an inevitable precursor to mass confiscation and tyranny. For an example of how these folks talk about gun laws, here's an excerpt from a speech given by Stuart Rhodes, head of a nationwide militia called the Oath Keepers, to an audience of his followers. Someone's going to complain to the police officer, and the police officer does it. So pretty much anybody can do it. So that's what you're looking at down the road. They put the laws in place, and then they'll start turning the heat up one person at a time, one veteran at a time, one gun owner at a time. That's how they're going to do it to you. 
Try to get them to resist that. Don't register your guns. Don't, yeah. Sure. But if they know but if they know where you're at and then you got guns, what are you gonna do? Registration equals confiscation. That's why you I, I agree. That's why you need the neighbors behind you. If every old guy shoots them when they come to their door, we'll only lose a few guys over 60 and it'll be over. But you're better off, all I'm saying is, I agree with that sentence, but all I'm saying is you're better off with your sheriff being behind you and all your neighbors together and they being in that same posse. The kind of thinking you see on display here, the kind that leads people to think modest gun control proposals are the prelude to a war of elimination, well, that's been carefully nurtured by decades of propaganda. You may not understand it, but you do have to live with its impacts, which is why Lee Carter spent the 20th hiding out in a safe house under a river of death threats. And no, not because he was part of the push for more gun control. It's because he proposed a bill that would have allowed teachers to go on strike. In Virginia... All public employees have been prohibited from going on strike for upwards of 70 years. Uh, you know, as far as I can tell, it goes back to 1950, but that's as far back as our electronic record system goes. So I don't know how long before that it was actually put into law. And so, uh, you know, with, with the teacher strikes that we've seen in other states, you know, Colorado, Kentucky, West Virginia, California, Illinois, uh, I saw teachers that were able to stand together and raise the alarm on the conditions in their schools and say that it's much better for the students if we walk out for a few days and demand change and get it than to continue as if everything's fine. And so uh, I put in a bill last year to legalize all public employee strikes. So just completely remove that section of the code that prohibits it. Um, Unfortunately, that bill died last year without even getting a hearing, and it didn't get a hearing because a lot of my fellow legislators it, were, were so afraid of this topic, they didn't even want to have a conversation because they thought if police were allowed to go on strike that it would lead to chaos. Now, the data shows that that's not true. You know, We've seen from other places uh, where police have had slowdowns or strikes and, and things have been fine. Um, but, you know, this, this was the view among my fellow legislators. So I decided, okay, let's, let's avoid the, the, the discussion about the merits of the police state. Um, when what I'm trying to do is legalize teacher strikes. And so I narrowed the scope of the bill. I took it from an outright repeal of the prohibition to narrowing the applicability of the prohibition. Um, to just law enforcement officers, you know, changing where it said uh, any employee of the Commonwealth to any public safety employee of the Commonwealth. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there um, who uh, read that bill um, and read the sections of the law that already exist and thought that that was new language. And so they said, you know, um, this guy is trying to fire cops who don't go around and grab everybody's guns. All this confusion was not due to a simple misunderstanding. It is the result of a concerted propaganda campaign. Doing a little bit of, of forensic digging, you know, kind of trying to trying to find the origin of this conspiracy theory. The earliest uh, mention that I could find of it was from um, a, a local uh, affiliate of the Fraternal Order of Police Associates in Charlottesville. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's two sort of competing 
police quasi unions. You know, there's there's the Fraternal Order of Police and the Fraternal Order of Police Associates. So it started with with FOPA Lodge Five in Charlottesville, and from there um, it was shared by the Virginia SOP. So you know, it went from a local in one organization to the statewide in the other, and then um, you know from there it got shared um, through you know, the, the pro-gun right-wing Facebook group network. Um, and it ended up with um, one of my fellow delegates, Nick Freitas Culpepper, um, who's currently running for Congress. You know, he's, he's going on a right-wing media tour to try to gin up support in the Republican base because he has a primary. And he decided to say, you know, Lee Carter put in this bill to fire police who don't go along with Governor Northam's gun confiscation. And it spread like wildfire from there. It ended up, uh, you know, the claim was repeated by uh, a YouTube personality named Iraq Veteran 8888, who has about two and a half million subscribers. Um, and, you know, it even ended up in uh, a Wall Street Journal opinion piece. And they never reached out to me for comment. Uh, because, of course, I would have said the record straight that that's not what the bill does. The horrific absurdity of Lee's situation has been compounded by the fact that, as a socialist, he actually opposes many of the gun control laws proposed by his Democratic colleagues. What I believe about guns in particular is that, you know, yes, there are some changes to gun laws that can be made to make people safer. You know, universal background checks, mandatory reporting for lost or stolen firearms, things like that. But, but you know, the big ticket proposals, the, the assault weapons bans and... and um, you know, red flag laws, these are things that, that make people sort of feel like they've done something about guns but won't actually benefit public safety. Um, and specifically, you know, the, 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 the driving force of my, of my gun policy is what I saw and, and what the nation saw on August 12, 2017, when the Nazis attacked Charlottesville. And so right then I decided that it is critically important that Anyone who Nazis would want to kill should have the ability to stop Nazis from murdering them. And so Lee finds himself caught between an outraged horde of paranoid, heavily armed militia living in their own media ecosystem and utterly convinced he wants to take their guns and probably murder them. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And then on the other side, Lee is dealing with a crowd of liberal Democratic politicians who see going after assault weapons as good for their political career and don't really believe anyone would ever shoot them over the idea. I think the the notion of an assault weapons ban rests on an extraordinarily strong faith in institutions, right? An unwavering faith in institutions that... Uh, you know, the government and all of its appendages are there to help people. Um, and, you know, that includes police and, uh, you know, that, that these mass shootings that we're, that we're seeing are aberrations. They're, they're one-offs that are happening because people have tool. And so you remove the tool and they won't happen. Um, but, you know, part of that also is sort of transferring that faith in institutions into how they analyze the actions of others. You know, for, for a lot of particularly liberal politicians, the faith that they have in institutions is so strong that they can't even conceive of the fact that it's not shared by everyone in our society. And so, you know, they, they don't even, a lot of them don't even recognize that there are groups out there who have been telling themselves for 30 years an assault weapons ban is, you know, the first step of the government coming to kill us, right? You know, these, these are these, these right-wing anti-government groups um, have been telling themselves this since Waco and Ruby Ridge. I mean, we even had a, a state senator in the hearing on one of these bills mention Ruby Ridge in his comments opposing the assault weapons ban bill. And, and I mean, you could, you could see the NRA crowd that was in attendance. The, you know, if you watch the live stream of, of that hearing, they panned to the crowd and it was, you know, a bunch of people in NRA shirts nodding their head as soon as he said the words Ruby Ridge. So it's, it's sort of the, the, the people that are pushing for this policy are doing it from a good place. I fundamentally believe that, but they just, cannot allow themselves to recognize that there are people out there who have been telling themselves for a very long time that an assault weapons ban is the last straw, and when they do it, we need to start shooting. Those people absolutely exist, and thousands of them showed up to march on Richmond. It's probably now that I should note, uh, if you haven't noticed already, that this is going to be uh, a little bit of an abnormal episode of Worst Year Ever, because I'm the only one speaking in it. Um, that's because I flew out to Richmond alone to cover this. We'll have Katie and Cody back in later in the week uh, for a follow-up, where we'll talk more about what I saw at the rally and what happened. 
But I wanted to get this out now because, you know, this is fresh in the news, and I think people need to understand what I saw while I was there. So, yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who believe that, like, we're, we're right on the verge of calamity, and it's going to be calamity pushed by nefarious socialists seeking to take their guns. Um, those people exist, and I'd like to present you with an example of just one of them, uh, a member of a 3 percenter militia named Chris Hill. In this clip, he actually supports red flag laws, so long as they exist to disarm anti-fascists and communists so he can murder them. Red flag laws. I don't think anybody in their right mind would give two shits or a flying fuck if the red flag laws were designed to take the firearms away from the card-carrying communists that run around with their Antifa red flags, beating people up, hitting them with locks and socks, stabbing them, um, all of that shit. If that were the case, I would be supportive of a red flag law. You're, you're a recognized communist, you're a member of Antifa, you run around with, uh, with your Antifa flag, hell yeah, send in the SWAT team, disarm the bastard, and let them go through the, uh, uh, the ringer. Well, it wouldn't even be going through the ringer. Designate them as terrorists first. Designate them as terrorists first. And you arrest them under suspicion of terrorist uh, activity. Simple as that. But instead, they're targeting you, they're targeting me, it's misdirected. Now, the bulk of the mainstream news you've seen about this rally will have focused around one of two things. Number one, wacky pictures of men with giant guns and ill-fitting body armor. And number two, the fact that it was a peaceful rally. And this is true. I saw no violence on January 20th. But part of that has to do with the fact that in the days immediately prior to the rally, the FBI arrested six members of a neo-Nazi terrorist organization called The Base. They had plans to show up in Richmond with an illegal automatic weapon and 1,500 rounds of ammunition. One of the arrested men was a Canadian military demolitions expert on the run from the law in his own country. But calling this rally peaceful also ignores the sheer amount of fantasizing about violence that I saw there. In the far right, the term boogaloo refers to a coming second civil war. On January 20th, I saw patches emblazoned with pepes that identified the bearer of the patch as a member of the boogaloo brigade. I saw a protest sign in someone's hands with, I have a dream of a boogaloo written on it, in cruel mockery of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I saw an armored truck drive down the street covered in American flags with boogaloo written on the front of the cab. I saw variations of different boogaloo license plates on cars from multiple states. Even seemingly innocuous and zany things wound up being connected to this violent fantasy of internecine warfare. At one point, I snagged several shots of heavily armed militiamen wearing brightly colored Hawaiian shirts underneath their body armor. I shared the pictures on Twitter, calling these men members of the Margaritaville Light Infantry, and there was much laughter. I assumed the shirts were part of a lighthearted jest on the parts of these militiamen. Maybe they were trying to seem less threatening, you know, in their weapons and equipment. Maybe they didn't want to scare people. But then when I got back to my hotel room, I did some digging. A simple Google search for Hawaiian shirt boogaloo led me to numerous returns, which showed that, online, Big Luau has evolved into yet another synonym for boogaloo. And of course, what do you wear to luau? A Hawaiian shirt. Here's an example I found on the Facebook page Firearms Unknown, which has more than 28,000 followers. The post in question starts with an image of a man in a Hawaiian shirt at a gun store, holding a scoped AR-15. Beto O'Rourke's head is photoshopped onto his body. The text underneath this image reads, quote, The Big Luau is coming. 
be prepared and go in style with the firearms unknown Boogaloo blouse. Everyone knows you can't attend a luau in anything but a Hawaiian shirt, and the Boogaloo blouse is the perfect Hawaiian shirt for the occasion. Whether it be your desire to roast a pig, just get down and dance to the disco, or maybe you want to hole up in an igloo for the winter, with the Boogaloo blouse, we have got you covered. The Boogaloo blouse is made from 95% polyester, 5% spandex, and 3% lava monster. It feels cool to the touch and is unbelievably comfortable. Being comfortable while boogalooing is key. With its bright colors, all of your Bujahideen friends will be easily able to distinguish between fellow partygoers and those who seek to end the celebration early. O'Rourke's face is featured because he quite famously promised to confiscate AR-15s of elected president. By the way, the firearm's unknown page motto is, because the redcoats aren't going to shoot themselves. Other violent imagery was in ready supply. At one point, I came across a squadron of heavily armed members of the Proud Boys, a far-right group with a range of ties to neo-Nazi organizations. The Proud Boys were armed and armored like the other militiamen, but a number of them had curious patches on their chest which said, R-W-D-S. I'm going to cut right to the chase. This stands for right-wing death squads, and I don't think I have to explain its meaning further than that. During the rally, I asked one of these proudest of boys what his patch meant, and he seemed to be less than proud that I knew. Here was his response. Excuse me, sir. Can I ask what that patch means? The one that says RWDS. The point I'm making is that, while there was no direct violence today, that does not mean there is nothing to worry about in this rally. What I saw in Richmond was the coming together of a potential American insurgent movement, tens of thousands strong. And of course there was no violence on the 20th. The FBI made sure of that, and the sheer number of firearms present ensured the police were extra careful as well. No tear gas was deployed to clear the streets. Protesters were allowed to mask up, which is illegal under Virginia law. The excuse given to one of my colleagues is that it was cold outside. But no, the Virginia gun kerfuffle was not interesting because of what happened on the 20th. The rally itself was mostly just a bunch of heavily armed men talking to one another, while every so often, Alex Jones rolled around the perimeter in an armored vehicle shouting nonsense. Most of what is interesting about the 20th happened beneath the surface, and that's the story I'm going to tell now. It all starts with a fellow named William S. Lind. He's a Christian conservative author and a widely cited thinker, and he's one of the originators of the concept of fourth-generation warfare. Wikipedia defines this as, quote, conflict characterized by a blurring of the lines between war and politics, combatants and civilians. Lind is the kind of guy who thinks police should carry rocket-propelled grenades and that mass hanging is the best solution to inner-city crime. He's a major inflection point for the theory that cultural Marxists are trying to take over America. If you're listening to this podcast, there is a very good chance that William S. Lind wants you dead. He is also friends with President Donald Trump, or at least the two have met. They posed together in April 2016, and Lind handed him a copy of his book, The Next Conservatism. This book, which was circulated widely among Trump's campaign staff, urges the establishment of a network of local anti-government militia groups to fight domestic terrorism. These groups should report to county sheriffs. Lynn's ideas have been adopted by the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. CSPOA basically believes local sheriffs should have their own armies. During the 2016 election, the CSPOA leadership had significant documented ties with the Trump campaign. 
Today, the CSPOA works closely with the Oath Keepers. Many of their members are Virginia sheriffs who, ahead of this rally, have threatened to engage in open rebellion against the state government. Culpeper County Sheriff Scott Jenkins, for example, has promised to deputize thousands of armed citizens if Richmond passes gun control regulations. Dozens of counties have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries, and this is not isolated to Virginia. The same phenomenon is occurring, for example, in Oregon, where late last year conservative legislators fled the state in order to stall voting on a gun control bill. While they hid, they were protected by members of various militias, including the Three Percenters, the Oath Keepers, and Constitutional Sheriffs. I know. This is a lot to take in, and if you haven't visited the places I've visited, talked to the folks I've talked to, and read the things I've read, a lot of it's going to seem like conspiratorial rambling. All I can do is assure you that it's not. Another reporter, a better reporter than me, Bruce Wilson, has done a huge amount of the legwork in documenting these connections. His blog, Fourth Generation War, is important reading. Bruce pays attention to the media network this nascent insurgency has set up. He lays out the connections better than I ever could, and I'm going to quote him now. Quote, Richard Mack, the top lobbyist for gun owners of America, headed by Larry Pratt, now Pratt, billed as ro- by Rolling Stone as the gun owner's secret weapon, has praised the activities of civilian militias under Guatemalan President Efrain Rios Monte, whose scorched-earth counterinsurgency campaign in Guatemala in the early 1980s was ruled to be genocidal. But Pratt also has close ties to the theocratic Christian Reconstructionism movement. Some experts consider him a part of CR. Back in the early 80s, he contributed a chapter on militias to a key CR strategy book. And as sociologist James Scaminati has documented the American militia movement has long been a part of the Christian Reconstructionist strategy, its long game for eventual theocracy. And I want to break in here and say two things. One is that Christian Reconstructionist is basically Christian dominionism, this idea that the United States needs to go back to being a Christian-dominated state where, for example, non-Christian behavior would be punishable by, for example, execution, which is something that's believed by a guy named Matt Shea, who is a lawmaker up in Washington, uh, who has been found to have committed acts of domestic terror on at least three occasions, but hasn't been arrested because of the sheer amount of militia support that he has. Um, so, yeah, the other thing I should note uh, is that Larry Pratt, the uh, head of Gun Owners for America, the group that Richard Mack works for, Larry Pratt was a regular guest on Alex Jones's Infowars show. So just so you know, all of these people, all these people who are at the 20th are very connected. All right, I'm going to quote from Bruce Wilson again. Back to Mack. His CSPOA, and remember that's the Constitutional Sheriff's Group, VP of Operations is a guy named Sam Bushman, who runs a tiny but national radio network, Liberty News Radio, which carries a show called The Political Cesspool, which is the premier white supremacist radio show in America, bar none. But also, LNR happens to carry the radio show of Washington State Legislator Matt Shea, who was just exposed for his involvement in domestic terrorism pursuant to his plan for creating a 51st biblical state in eastern Washington state. It wasn't the first time the show, Liberty Roundtable, had featured Mac Shea. Now, back in 2016, when I was writing on Trump and Lind, I noticed something quite extraordinary going on with the LR show. Suddenly, top members and surrogates of the Trump for President effort started appearing on the show, day after day, including appearances from Trump's two sons. Now, these were individuals who could have been on Fox almost at will. So what were they doing on a tiny radio network with one big station and five to six stations the size of Nats? Two answers first. The entrance point for the whole thing was when the Trump campaign reached out to get one of the Trump boys on the political cesspool, which, remember, Bushman's radio network hosts. Now, a quick digression. The cesspool is hosted by James Edwards, who is on the board for the Council of Conservative Citizens. End quote. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Now, the CCC, Council of Conservative Citizens, is a fascist far-right organization that, among other things, creates propaganda aimed at convincing white people that black people are going to murder them. Charleston church shooter Dylan Roof directly credited the CCC and its propaganda with inspiring his massacre. Through Dylan Roof, we can tie the more mainstream tendrils of this movement, which connect right to Trump's large adult sons, to its fringe elements. The Bowl Patrol is a loose association of fascist wannabe terrorists, so named because they idolized Dylan Roof, who had a bowl haircut. The Bowl Patrol is closely tied ideologically to Adam Waffen Division, a neo-Nazi terrorist group responsible for five murders. Many Adam Waffen members were also members of the BASE, the fascist terrorist social network the FBI just busted in the act of planning an attack on Richmond. Both the base and Adam Waffen advocate something called accelerationism, the idea that the United States needs to be pushed into a violent collapse in order to make possible the rise of a white supremacist state. William S. Lind is also an accelerationist. In 2014, he wrote a novel titled Victoria, a novel of fourth-generation war. The basic plot is that Christian militias overthrow the federal government, leading to a reestablishment of the Confederacy and the massacre of millions of black Americans via tactical nuclear warhead. Slavery is reestablished, and the book ends with the heroes launching a crusade against Islam. I feel like I need to continuously reiterate that I understand how easy it is to write all of this off as a handful of nuts, LARPers, lone wolf assholes. I want to assure you that people like myself and Bruce Wilson are not the only ones worried. Dr. James Scamancini is a sociologist and a retired senior U.S. Army analyst. In 2009, after the rise of the anti-Obama birther conspiracy theory championed by now President Trump, Dr. Scamancini wrote this. The birther claim not only delegitimized President Obama, but called into question the citizen status of tens of millions of people. As a former military intelligence analyst, I utilized the skills that I had acquired, for example, examining the source of their strategy, their organizations, their networks, and their tactics. I began to understand that the Christian right and its armed wing in the Patriot militia were radical revolutionaries. And that, to me, is a key finding that progressives need to consider. The Patriot movement of the 1990s and today is the armed wing of the Christian right. If you read the literature on the Patriot militia, from scholars 
scholars and journalists, there is no analysis of the social basis of the militia, and there is no analysis of the command, control, communications, intelligence structure of the militia. Nowhere does a large armed formation exist that is not under political control and pursuing political goals. I hope my analysis, while entirely supportive, elevates the strategic warning and gives progressive analysts the perspective to see that the movement is much more unified than previously thought and driven by a fourth-generation warfare strategy that comes from the central core of the Christian right. This is all really scary stuff, and it's it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant for me to read about and to write about, but it's important because what we're seeing and what I saw in Richmond and what we're going to continue to see over the next year and probably into the future is this movement grow, and this movement is driven by fourth-generation warfare. It's driven by this combination of sort of traditional military techniques, the forming of, of armed groups of militias, um, potentially assassinations or acts of occupation, marches like the one that we saw in Richmond, intimidation tactics, but also this media infrastructure that has welded all these different people together, including a lot of folks who wouldn't necessarily otherwise be very violent individuals or negative individuals have gotten swept up into this because of this belief that their freedom is under attack, that they are fighting for their own lives against a group of people that would destroy them. It is a very frightening situation. And in considering it, I am driven back continuously to something that William S. Lind wrote in 1989 for the Marine Corps Gazette when he outlined his theory of fourth-generation warfare. Television news may become a more powerful operational weapon than armored divisions. If there's one thing I saw in Richmond, it's that. This idea that this, this media ecosystem that the right has crafted for itself has rendered the people within it completely immune to outside argument, completely immune to logic. And I think what we're seeing, at least from the liberals, from the Democratic Party, is this group of people who are still functioning as if this is not the case, as if these people can be reached rationally by argument, as if you can convince them by the simple fact that they lost an election that things that they don't like are going to happen. They don't believe that. They don't believe that your elections, they don't believe that your politicians are legitimate. And so far, they've been responsible for minimal violence, if you consider the dozens killed by far-right extremists in the last couple of years to be minimal, minimal violence compared to what might happen. My worry is what will happen in the future. I don't want to sound too dire or dark with this. I think it is very serious. I think the situation is very serious. I think the, the lack of action taken by the people in power um, has made it more serious. But I don't think the situation's hopeless. And one thing I would note is that of all the folks, the thousands of folks that I saw and the hundreds of folks that I talked to at the rally on the 20th, um, I would say less than half were actually members of you know one militia group or another. Um, most of them, there were large groups of militia who were well-armed and organized and, you know, using microphone communication networks and whatnot to, to work with each other as they traveled around in anticipation that, you know, the boogaloo might break out. But most of the people there were just 
gun owners, um, folks who have been riled up and frightened by this very effective propaganda campaign, uh, but not folks who are, are crazy or violent or, or particularly obsessed with the idea of harming people. They're people who, by and large, have gotten very bad information fed to them, and most of them are people from a lower socioeconomic group. Well, there were a number of folks who had very expensive you know, firearms, some upwards of $10,000, Many of the guns I saw were very simple shotguns and hunting rifles, humble guns from people who are afraid that a part of their life and their culture is going to be taken away because they've been propagandized to. And unfortunately, the liberal middle in our country has kind of given up on reaching these people and has not in my lifetime tried very hard to do so. And it feels when it has, you know, uh, what it considers to be an electoral mandate that it can start throwing out whatever laws it wants, and that there will be no consequences, that nothing will happen, and that they don't need to reach these people because, you know, they've beaten them. And I think this is a very poor strategy. But one of the things that gave me some hope at the rally is that I was not the only one who thought this way. There were a number of left-wing activists, members of groups like the John Brown Gun Club, which is a very far left-wing firearms advocacy organization that seeks to particularly provide firearms training to disenfranchised groups. These people were traveling around the rally, wearing body armor and carrying rifles, just like all the other militia folks. Um, You could only tell them apart if you understood the symbols on their armor. And they were handing out pamphlets titled, To Those Who Seek Liberty. And I'd like to read that pamphlet now. Who are we? We are a coalition of left libertarians from various organizations across the South and Northeast who support the rights of communities and individuals to organize and manage themselves, free from the tyranny of corrupt politicians and the greedy corporations they serve. We are in opposition to all forms of unjust hierarchy and all those who seek to oppress and enact violence upon us and our neighbors. Why are we here? Like many here, we staunchly oppose these bills. This effort by the Democrat government of Virginia is a short-sighted attempt to cement power. This is just the latest battle in the ongoing war between out-of-touch political parties to outmaneuver one another. The casualties of this war are poor and working people and other marginalized groups. The right to collective and individual defense is universal. This right is already unjustly denied to many people for a multitude of reasons. We join the broader Second Amendment movement against red flag laws, restrictions and access to equipment, and the criminalization of organizing and training for the legitimate defense of ourselves and our communities. We rally with you to ensure that our rights will not be further limited by a state that wishes to see us docile and accepting of their illegitimate rule. Knowing this, we came to speak to you, the individuals gathered here today in response to tyranny. Our collective response to the oppression of the state is a meeting point despite other ideological differences. The Second Amendment movement and the voices of the militia community declare that they are, we the people. Militias assert that they are a civil resource for the whole of the community, regardless of race, religion, gender, or nation of origin. We challenge them to live up to those assertions and take definitive actions against fascists and white nationalists. The fascists in our midst would seek to establish a reign of terror, enforce segregation, and outright elimination of all those who challenge their worldview, a world where all things serve the state where everything and everyone becomes property to be exploited and controlled. In direct contrast, we desire and envision a future built on a foundation of liberty, autonomy, equity, and justice. A future where free communities, not nation-states, decide how our daily lives are administered. One where the only universal law is peace to all but tyrants and aggressors, and every community is armed with the means of defense and survival. We ask you to define your friends and enemies by the kind of world that you would want for your children. We hope that you will take this to heart, and know that should you choose to challenge systemic oppression and struggle for liberation, self-determination, and justice for all people, you will not be alone.
Now, I can't tell you whether or not that reached any of the people they handed it to, but I can tell you it was an attempt, and I can tell you it's more likely to de-escalate, to pull us back from the brink, to reduce the potential of this network turning into a full-blown insurgency. It is more likely to do that than any action taken by the Democratic state legislatures in favor of gun control in the city of Richmond. And that, I think, is a good note to end on. Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.